are you? I hope you're doing well. It's so great to be back with you for another episode of my podcast, At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. I'm interior stylist Lauren Keenan and Scott's here too. Yes, it is the weekend and that means it's time for another room reveal at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. (laughs) And today we're talking to longtime host of The Block on Channel 9 and newly qualified real estate agent Shelley Craft. Shelley's been on TV for so many years now, but she's also someone that loves property, loves architecture and is a real design nerd. She's also recently completed a beautiful renovation of her property in Byron Bay. Yes, and today we go behind the scenes of the massive renovation reality show, The Block, and find out just how detailed the weekly judging process is. And we talk to Shelley about the real estate market in Victoria, which she's actually very familiar with given um, her time on The Block and her experience and expertise now as an agent. And we talk about what the contestants might expect at their upcoming auctions. So here's Shelley Craft from The Block on your favourite interiors podcast, At Home with Lauren Keenan. Shelley, welcome to the show and thanks so much for joining us. It's an absolute Uh, pleasure to be with you. This is very exciting for me. It is exciting. You've been a part of The Block for such a long time now and with everything that's been happening, where do you think this season ranks against all the other seasons you've been involved in? That's a really tough one. Yes, I have been involved for a long time (laughs) and we do say every year that The Block just gets bigger and better and possibly badder than it did uh, the year before as far as some of the characters we get. And I mean bad as in a badass kind of way, not bad as in bad. But um, it's funny, I think, how we forget what's rolled out in previous series. Um, I know the Oslo was a particularly fiery series for us on the block, being um, the crew and Scotty, the building was so big and it was so tough and there were so many stairs and so much scaff and so much dirt and grot and grub that that was a really hard one for us. Um, and the time frame of the Oslo, it went for a few weeks longer than we would normally record for. And I do remember at the end of that one, everyone had just had enough. <laughs> Um, This season, I believe, has been an absolute beauty in in so many ways. We've got fantastic characters that are really bringing everything they've got to the show from their design styles right through to how open and honest they're being with their personalities. And I used, yeah, honest with their personalities more so than honest (laughs) with the stories that they might be telling. So I do think this is an absolutely cracking series. And I think one of the nice things about this year is that the houses are all very different again, as they were last year, different eras, different architectural styles and features. I'm really keen to know which house would you have picked uh, if if you're a contestant this year? Because they had a choice. Mm. Yeah, they did have a choice. And it's funny, you know, that obviously Kirsty and Jesse's being on the biggest block um, come auction day will play very well in their favour, I believe. But as we're seeing now, you know, budgetary wise and just work wise, um, it's the toughest of the lot. I do love the character of Tanya and Vito's house, house number three. Um, That mid-century style is something that really hits home with me. I completed one uh, here in Byron Bay a year or so ago now. So I felt like I was sort of in the zone with their place, although they're doing some pretty crazy out there stuff. Um, Yeah, the boys are taking some awesome risks with their house and I don't know if that's quite paying off for them yet but what they're creating is a really modern contemporary home and uh, if you've driven around Hampton there's this amazing mix of architecture there so in this one little cul-de-sac yeah we have so many different styles of houses all coming together on the one auction day so it will be a great game um, and it'll be a, yeah a, 
it's always, Scotty, in my most nerve-wracking day of the year is auction day to see how the houses play out. And it is different when they are five very different homes as opposed to five, um, you know, apartments or five townhouses all in the same block. So um, which one would I have chosen was the question? Oh, now that they're finished, I know which is the one I'd like to live in the most. <laughs> but is that the one I would have chosen to renovate myself? No, I think it sounds I like Tanya and Vito's place, the, the mid-century modern one. Yeah, look. I would have chosen to do it myself. Would I choose to live in it now um, on a fun day maybe if I feel particularly <laughs> Well, it seems like they're hitting there. their straps with the sunken lounge and that beautiful um, kitchen and butler's pantry with all that architectural light that the comes pink, in through those big windows and, and the pink cabinets. They've really done a great job. But one of the interesting things this year is that the contestants have all done it without plans. Mm which has been pretty difficult for them at times. Can you give us a bit of an insight into how much harder that's been for them this year compared to contestants on the show previously who've been given plans and a bit more structure to work within? Yeah, well, as you know, we get all levels of contestants. Some have had previous experience. Some are very experienced. Uh, this year, obviously, we've got very experienced contestants and builders with our faves coming back. So I think they've embraced the no plans um, challenge really, really well because I know both of them sort of fought a little bit with their plans the first time around. Um, so that was great for our for our newbies. I mean, how on earth do you go about um, <laughs> building with no plans when you've never been on a building site before? Um, yeah. And just that pre-planning that we would all do and we'd spend months on, even if we had a, you know, a renovation where we were just going in and we could do whatever we like, we still have months to think about it. Even during the process, we've got plenty of time to stop take stock and maybe readjust. Uh, the timeframes for this make it virtually impossible and that's why it makes such good telly. And we spoke to Foreman Dan a couple of weeks ago on the podcast as well and he said that it was harder for, for them too, the block builders, because they had to go in and check all of the work as it was happening, a lot of it being structural and a lot of it plans unfolding as they went. Well, not only that, and then, of course, the whole schedule being turned upside down, so not really knowing where and which rooms we're going to next. Um, for those of you who haven't really worked it out yet, we have a construction team uh, on the block that is employed by Nine to make sure that the facades, everything is, is structurally sound, and then the contestants employ their builders for the internals. Um, so for us to then suddenly have to switch gear and move to different parts of the house when we weren't prepared um, has certainly thrown another the spanner this year, which it wouldn't have looked quite as disorganised had uh, those those schedules not been exposed early on in the piece. So yeah, for us, look, this is new territory as well. I thought I thought last season uh, with COVID was the biggest spanner that we'd ever had, but no, this year is definitely <laughs> definitely next level. Well, speaking of that cheating scandal. You looked genuinely shocked and appalled when you found out about it when you were doing the walkthroughs when you know it came out what had happened. Tell us more. How did you feel about it when you found out someone had done the wrong thing? Oh, look, I'm kept very much in the dark, I'll be honest. As you see, I sort of float in and float out and I don't get a lot of producer guidelines as to what they want me to do because, again, it's it's a reality show, so it is genuine reaction. So when I first heard that there'd been a cheating scandal, A, I didn't really know what that entailed and as it folded, unfolded during those walkarounds about what it actually 
happened. I was just really disappointed that it wasn't in the spirit of the game. Um, And of course, I knew the fallout that that would create for the production side of things. I didn't really understand, I I guess, in the beginning, the ramifications that it would have for the contestants themselves or as people have been calling for the punishment or things like that. It was just that initial thought that, oh, that's not what we do here. That's not what we're about. Um, And again, as as it has unfolded, I don't believe that... um, the culprits really understood, you know, the depth of what the scandal would cause and how that would obviously roll out week after week after week. You think it's finished, you think it's over and done with, and then it rears its head again. So in that in that beginning, I think for me it was just like, oh, this is going to be a production headache. This is just a nightmare for, for my crew. You know, I want everyone to be friends and I want everyone to be a part of the Block family and, and they've put themselves out there for this extraordinary life experience and now it's sort of tainted for them. Yeah, not as fun. And we saw that play out over a couple of weeks on the show. Mm. In the second week, I think, we saw you in your walk-arounds, particularly with Tanya and Vito. I think there was uh, one exchange between you and them where it was almost like you were saying, come on, guys, don't you get what you've done here and and that the impact that it's having on the crew? It was like you were all learning and realising and you kind of were getting a bit crook on them. I was. I was a bit of a mum that day rather than the big sister, I think. Um, yeah, I was just disappointed that they were trying to pass it off as not such a big deal and blame everyone else for being so upset about it. It's like, no, 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 yeah. you created the drama. And it was definitely Vito saying, let's just get over it, let's just move on. Oh, I can't believe this carry-on's still going. It's like you created the carry-on, you've got to own what you did and again, really, if you'd just come out and said, we are so sorry, we didn't understand what we'd done, we didn't think it was that big a problem, um, we now do and we apologise, I think everything would have been okay. It was just they didn't own it. Well, look, just like the show, your your role on the show has evolved over over the years, but one of your central responsibilities has been to, to run the challenges. And we do see sometimes the contestants get that text message in the morning from Scotty <laughs> and they roll their eyes or they have a bit of a whinge that they're going to have to leave the block that day to go and do a challenge. But then they get there and they seem to really get into it and enjoy it, don't you think? Yeah. Look, it is. It's like Groundhog Day on the block. All that you see packed into one week really does happen. They get um, judged on the Sunday, their next room is issued on the Monday and they deliver on the Sunday. But a lot of that is watching paint dry, deliveries, standing back, you know, letting the chippies get to work. So, you know, if it was just renovation, 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 you'd probably be bored and switch off. As much as you all love to see more reno, um, the contestants need a break. They need a change of scenery. Um, they need the to get out, and out. Yeah, absolutely. And they also their chippies need time to just get on with business rather than having get to the come clients out of my head. <laughs> That's right. Get out of here for the day. So I will say that the crew on site um, love challenge days because the contestants disappear, and I believe it gives the contestants just a little bit of breathing space um, and a little bit of fresh air and some desperately needed cash as well so yes I know they roll their eyes at challenge days but um, we try to make it fun once they get there and of course worth their while as well. And what we've noticed is that the challenges often involve the contestants getting on the tools a bit more and actually you know picking up the power tools picking up the hammer building something do you think it really shows which of them have been learning some new tips and tricks while they've been on site because some people seem to take to it really well and others are like oh my god I've got no idea how to do this. 
That's right. And to be six weeks in and still not have picked up a power tool, that always surprises me um, when you when you rock up to a challenge. But then there's some odd ones, you know, like I think we've done an upholstery challenge um, a couple of times and they love that. You know, they have a great time doing that because it is a new skill and it's something they perhaps hadn't thought of. The decorate another room challenge, I think, is always great when we're doing it for a charity or for a cause. Uh, but ultimately, that's a week's worth of blocks squeezed into to six hours um, on a challenge day. So yeah, we like to we like to change it up a little bit. And of course, you know, when we first moved to Melbourne, a lot of it was showcasing uh, beautiful areas around Melbourne too. So we'd go out to Dalesford or Marysville or wherever it might be and actually showcase a bit of the Victorian countryside and help those communities. So yeah, the challenge days really are um, a whole bunch of of wonderful stuff rolled into one day away from site. And it's a shame that you haven't been able to do as much of that because of coronavirus, but I suppose the producers have got used to it and have rolled with it and come up with some different ideas at HQ and other places. Just to pivot a little bit for a moment, in the last couple of years, you know, you've become an accredited real estate agent here in New South Wales. You know, We know you've got a successful career as a TV presenter and ambassador and you do a whole lot of other things. So why did you decide to get your qualifications? Ah, a few reasons really. Um, real estate has always been my hobby and they always say turn your hobby into something that you can, you know, make it make a career out of. Yes, I have a, a TV career which has been long running and, and I guess it's very successful. I just enjoy myself. So I never, you know, it's a success for me because I've worked consistently yeah. for 25 years and had a ball doing it. So I think it's successful. Real estate is one of those things, as I said, has always been a love for me and the block was one of those gift jobs that came along when I was um, having my babies and couldn't work 90 hours a week, um, couldn't be doing travel shows or, or crazy things like that. So it was a lovely thing that tied in with something that I was quite just personally passionate about and getting to see renos and things. My husband owns a real estate agency here in Byron Bay, so it made sense that I could upskill in some way that was not only able to help him with his business, but also related to you know my other life, my TV job as well. So to roll all those things um, into one and get my yeah, my accreditation was something that didn't seem like a really big stretch. It didn't seem like something that was way left of field because, it, yeah, it's always been something that I've done, perhaps not just quite so so vocally about. But I'm not out there on the selling floor. Um, but it is lovely to now be able to communicate with the buyer's advocates a bit more clearly, to use that real estate language a bit more in the show. And in the walkarounds, I try to obviously keep the contestants a little bit on task about who their buyer is, just being a bit more conscious of the end game. And I do believe the block has evolved from being sort of a reno and design show to now really incorporating real estate as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, to your point, the domain challenge, which we've seen in the last couple of weeks as well, uh, you know, really um, goes to that that question of, you know, who is my buyer? Who's my market? And let's think about that the whole way through, which is mm. fantastic. Um, I do want to ask you, though, as an agent then and someone who, you know, you've got a lot of knowledge about the market in Southeast Melbourne from your time on the block, you know, what would be your advice to contestants when they're starting their bill? What are the attributes that you think a house should have for that premium market in Hampton? Oh, look, I know they don't have a lot of time, but I do say to them, rather than just jumping in and going for it, stop 
get in the car, go for a drive. Some of you have flown in from interstate. You've got no idea where you are. Take the time to go and have a coffee and sit in the, you know, the high street of your suburb and just listen and watch and see. Um, walk around to all the real estate agents and look in the windows, see what people are doing, get to some open houses, do your research. Um, they jump in and I think that's what we see, the rookie era of new contestants and perhaps people who don't have a lot of renovation experience is that they design and renovate for themselves. You know, they've been given this gift of an amazing budget and a home to to live out their dream of doing a lick and flick and suddenly, you know, they're doing it for themselves. And I think we see that a little bit this year with Tanya and Vito. They're having fun. They're creating this, you know, really gorgeous home, but does it suit Hampton? And they obviously know now that they're narrowing their buyer pool greatly by the choices that they're making, but they're proud of what they've done. Um, I always say you need, you know, you need at least two bidders to make an auction. So you might find that one buyer who loves your place, but we don't have the luxury of time. We've got one auction day and they're all going on the same day. Um, you might miss out because you've been a little bit narrow in your in your design choices. If you're coming on the show next year um, and once you first get there, don't worry about what, what the crew says. Jump in the car, take a crew with you and just go and do some research on the suburb. It's really great advice. And with some contestants, like you said, they start out sort of almost designing the house for their dream home, the house that they'd love to live in. But then at some point in the competition, you can often see the switch gets flicked and they're like, oh, hang on a minute. Oh. No, we need to we Oops. need to change what we're doing here because <laughs> this is not right. <laughs> That's right. And look, one of the biggest debates, funnily enough, always comes down to whether having the toilet in the bathroom or out of the bathroom. <laughs> Every for the record, what, the what do you think? What do you think, Shelley? <laughs> do we have a separate water closet? You know, is that a necessity? I say what yes. What do you think? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> or at least a very, very dense high nib wall of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's been a couple of mistakes like that where, um, you know, you see judges walk into the bathroom and they're like, something's Mm. missing. What's not? Oh, there's no toilet. Mm. Well, there is a toilet and it's right there in front of the door. Yeah. (laughs) For everyone to see. That's right. Now, we can see that having that domain leaderboard points, um, you know, being the top of the ladder there is really uh, quite a superpower, really, because if you get to decide the, the auction order, then such an advantage. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? It is a Absolutely. blessing and a curse. Yeah. yeah. So how, how much of an advantage do you think that really is? Depends on the market at the time, I guess. And again, what you're actually presenting. Um, we would always say and suggest to the contestants, send the strongest house in first. You know, that will set the price. Um, that will set a standard for, for the cul-de-sac. If you put perhaps the the home that you don't think is going to sell as well or or have as many uh, people contesting for it. If you send that one in first and then that that sort of becomes the benchmark price for the rest of the hood. Um, so that is that is our advice. That is my advice to the contestants. Ronnie and Georgia look like they're going to have the superpower this time. And again, I think their mindset will be very, very different to Jimmy and Tams from last series who had that superpower. You know, they were friends with everyone on their block mm. and they really took it to heart that it was a bit of a curse that they would have to um, hurt 
you know, someone else down the line. And that that played really heavily on them for a long time coming into that. Uh, Ronnie and Georgia, maybe a different story. So, yeah, <laughs> but look, that would be my advice. Put the strongest house on the block first. You'll know from your agents telling you how much interest they've had, how many viewings they've had. Um, of course, Domain have this amazing system where you can see how many clicks, you know, the house that's been most clicked on um, throughout the campaign. So, yes, that would be my advice. But Ronnie and Georgia, who knows which they, which way they'll go about it. <laughs> and do you think it's a little bit trickier because the houses are all so different? You know, we've seen in previous seasons where it's been apartments or it's been a series of terrace houses, which essentially have the same footprint and they're very much similar apart from the design style inside. Do you think it's harder when it's five very, very different properties? Absolutely. Look, you need a really wide buyer pool then. Um, we've seen in previous years, again, that a lot of investors love the block. The depreciation schedule is extraordinary. Um, obviously, the quality of workmanship on the show is excellent. They're producing beautiful homes in amazing areas. So we do get a lot of investors sort of that follow the block around and obviously get themselves um, a great deal over time there as well. So we will see those. I'm sure we'll see some investors coming through. But what we're creating this series is five beautiful family homes in a gorgeous family suburb. So I hope we have, you know, at least 10 buyers for each house there on auction day. Um, And the way the market's going come November, you know, we'll certainly see then it looks like you know there's some need for homes it looks like there is a strong market out there for for buyers and sellers um you know let's just fingers crossed that everything comes good by november and we can actually have live auctions on site uh rather yeah, well, than it's, in, virtually. it's incredible isn't it because the the market in particularly in in sydney and melbourne have stayed so strong um through this pandemic and right through the lockdowns that we've had this year which is incredible yeah. um we've seen record property price growth particularly in sydney i know melbourne's been strong too can you give us a bit of an insight into how you think the auctions may work given that those restrictions are still in place and may still be in place in in november yes look Last year was a great, um, I guess, trial run for us. We were thinking that we would have to do virtual auctions um, this time last year. So we were sort of prepared for that to happen. And of course, again, the industry has really come into its own as far as virtual auctions go and um, like your auction now systems and things like that. They're in place with all agents a lot more savvy about it this time around than they were last year, I'll be honest. Um, But, you know, hopefully we can have at least our vetted buyers in the room, if we have to have some sort of virtual auction rooms off to the side but still be there close by. Um, Again, it's reality. So it's sort of exciting for us being 17 series in that there are still these new challenges and new ways that we need to learn to go about things and that the industry is changing. So, yeah, who knows what we're going to see this time. But we'll be ready and and hopefully I'll be able to be there in the room with the contestants because it is the highlight of my my working year, that's for sure. Love auction day, as I said, it's so a nerve wracking day. And Scotty is, it's you know, he has a love hate relationship with that couch too. So he <laughs> he loves being with their contestants, but his heart is in his mouth the whole time. So yeah, look, auction day will still pack a huge punch, no matter how we do it, um, how it's telecast, or where we all need to be. Um, there'll definitely be that emotional roller coaster that we all love so much about the finale. Yeah, it'll be a great auction and, and great telly again, no doubt. Tell us a bit about your production schedule, Shelley, because obviously you don't live in Melbourne. You're not at site every day like the contestants are in the trades. And you can't, You mentioned you sort of come in and out. How does, how does that work? I do live here in Byron Bay. 
So my usual schedule would be to fly down on a Wednesday and I come home on a Friday afternoon. Um, Obviously, with COVID restrictions and things, that got a little bit tricky, although we seem to have dodged so many bullets. Um, Mm. The show was filmed from February till May this year and it happened to be in a gap where there were no lockdowns, uh, there were no dramas. So I would come in earlier have a COVID test and be isolated until that was clear and then I was allowed onto site. We've got a nurse on site that does temperature checks um, all the time and, of course, restrictions in place when we're there. But um, obviously I was living in Melbourne when we did the first couple of series and I had my girls there with me, so I'd come and go a lot more. As the show's grown and and sort of got bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, my workload has got less and less and less. There's, you know, Dan and Keith obviously there on site every day, which used to be what Scotty and I would, would do as well. But, yeah, we've got an amazing crew now and support there. And an awesome cast. It feels like you've got a really nice balance between all of the characters, yourself, Scotty, uh, Dan and Keith in particular. I don't ever feel like watching it that there's anybody that really is dominating. We get this great ensemble that's part of the show and that hosts the show. Yeah, and it needs to be. You know, it really needs to be. Everyone needs to be there and on their game and everyone offers something a little different. Obviously, behind the scenes, we've got amazing producers um, and support for the contestants. And again, lots, you know, lots of family and inverted commas that do drop in and out um, to support everyone on the show. So, yeah, look, it is a big dysfunctional family. (laughs) (laughs) It looks that way this year. And I I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. (laughs) So when you do your walk around, Shelley, we we get to see like a few minutes in each house and the contestants do genuinely seem happy to see you and get your your input. How long does each uh, sort of segment in the house actually go for? How long are you there chatting for with them? Yeah, let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Yeah, look, it depends how long they're they're wanting us there for, to be brutally honest. Uh, Sometimes they give you the death stare and you're like, yep, got to (laughs) go. Nothing to see here, people. Time to move on. Um, And other times we do stay for for a longer chat. It really just depends on the mood. You know, we might look like we're standing there going, oh, right, oh, yes, I see. And ultimately I'm going, I have no idea what you're (laughs) What, what this room is going to become in two days' time. But then you do see others and you're like, oh, we can offer as, as much advice or as little advice um, as we like. Does but it get awkward sometimes? It does because they're so far down the track, Scott. You know, they have got all of their stuff there. They have been shopping for days. They have got their tradies underway. So to poo-poo an idea when they've only got 40 hours to go, <laughs> to me just seems cruel. Um, yeah. And I've done it a couple yeah, of times. Sometimes it's got to be said. I, you know, I've really thrown them and they've walked out. Shelly said she didn't like it and we don't know what to do. Do we go with it or do we, you know, pull it all apart and start again? I'm like, you've got 40 hours to go. So, yeah, I try not to actually um, interfere too much. Some of my examples are, oh, hmm, interesting. Um, and, again, I know there's this whole design community watching that has a lot, you know, a lot more experience than I do about actually pulling a project together in, in a short period of time for clients as well. Um, so I get that people go, why wouldn't she tell them that that's a bad idea? But it, it's too far gone, you know, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> um, I will tell you that the judges do spend at least an hour in every single room and they do go back and forward and in and out and as you see that initial reaction of one of the judges 
um, or all of the judges, possibly they end up turning each other around and, and swaying um, another opinion by the time that they walk out. So, yeah, they certainly um, unpack every single little detail. And, of course, that can't always make it to edit because we don't have all that time, time. in the world. So yeah. um, the contestants, you know, the, the brief description that they get or that the, the feedback that they get from Scotty is certainly a very small portion of what the judges actually put in to each room. And because quite often when the ads are on, on TV for like the next weeks and you see the, the judges making their comments like, oh, whose room are they in? You're trying to work it out from what you've seen in the show so far. Oh, no, that's the boys or that's, um, you know, whoever it might be. And you try and pick what they're saying about the room that week to put oh. it all together. And again, it's the first time with the contestants now sitting at home watching every episode like punters, like we do, that's the first time they're really seeing and hearing the judges' true feedback. You know, Scotty mm. has a list on his on his clipboard and he's saying, oh, Darren said this and they said that and blow out the candle and da-da-da. But when they actually see the judges delivering <laughs> that information live, I'm sure they get a much clearer idea of what the judges actually meant and that there was no malice in there. You know, the judges don't care who wins or loses, they're just there to present each That's room right. and they do do it. I know that Darren particularly is a stickler for everyone starting with a 10 and then he sort of deducts his half points as he goes. Um, so, yes, your initial feel when you walk into a room is one thing but then obviously your functionality and comes into play after that. But, yeah, that's sort of how they do it. Um, and I know that Neil is very much about how he feels in a room, um, if he could sit on those chairs for a long dinner party, whether he would feel relaxed in a living space, um, whereas Darren's a lot more particular about the functionality and how everything works and where it should be. And um, So they all have their different methods of going about it. But ultimately they want all the contestants to do well because – if they don't create a beautiful home, then you know we're going to we're going to have a lot of trouble come auction day. Of course, I mean on auction day, regardless of how you felt about different couples throughout the show, you want everybody to make as much money as they can because it looks like such a hard hard slog for twelve weeks, and it's uh, such a big thing to do that so few people get to have a go at, and you want everybody to do well. Absolutely, you do. You know, no matter whether you love them or hate them during the series, you can't deny that they're all working extremely hard and and giving it their best you know I'd never question anyone just sort of floating through and thinking that they can wing it um, they all dig so deep in their own ways and that is different for everybody you know a lot of people don't function on well on no sleep um, a lot of people can't make quick decisions there are you know I know I'm an incredible procrastinator I would have 10 sets of tiles there you know deciding which one I was going to choose it's a very very difficult job there are much easier ways to get your 15 minutes of fame you know there is no doubt. And, go, and, and, go and sit in a house for for 12 uh, weeks you know don't build one <laughs> that's right and, and, and it's, I was going to ask you about that because you, you see the differences this year between the the faves and the fans if we want to sort of call them that you know Georgia and and um, Ronnie, Mitch and Mark, they, I think they do have an advantage in that they've been there and done it before and you can see in the way that they prepare and plan for each week that they, they seem to move through the, the, the sort of the, the plan and the build really, really quickly and efficiently and that seems to be a really important attribute for someone that is on the block. Is, is that sort of one of the key things that you've got to have? It's all about teamwork, isn't it? I've always said the best contestants would be an accountant and a human resources manager. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you can manage your budget and manage your trades, you're off to a flying start. I think what we see with the faves is just, I guess, that experience of working together as well. A lot of our contestants might have been married for 20 years but have never worked a day together um, in their lives. You know, they've never spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, without the interruption of family, kids, school, other jobs. You know, so to be actually in your your partner's space for that amount of time, that's one of the biggest challenges of the show until they find their rhythm and work out their roles in their own individual partnerships. I think that's the biggest challenge and where we see the faves really coming into their own, not necessarily on their design skills or or, um, their styling, but particularly just how they get in and get it done. Absolutely. And in previous years, we've often seen one part of one half of the couple might be a chippy or a plumber or a tiler, but we haven't actually got that this year. And it's actually, it's kind of leveled it out in some ways a little bit um, as well. Yeah. I always find the tradies struggle um, a lot more because they want to be able to do everything themselves. They know they've got the skills, but there's just not the time. And you will find if you do have a skilled uh, contestant that they actually crumble a lot faster than you'd think they would or than some of the contestants that have no skills because surely if you're a tiler, you're actually pretty good at anything else and you can help out with some of the chippy work and you can help the plumber and you can do this and do that, but you can't do it all yourself. Um, So again, managing your time and managing your trades is the biggest key to the block. You've been on the show, as you said, with Scotty and Keith and the judges for a long time. And when we spoke to Dan, he told us that he loves doing it and he's already looking forward to to 2022. You all seem to be enjoying it so much. How do you keep it fresh? Oh, well, we don't need to. I mean, the contestants do. They keep it fresh for us. If it was just us coming back time and time again, you know, there's no doubt we'd have fun. But if you had a whole bunch of faves, yeah, it would be a hoot. But... (laughs) But would it be anything new and would it be fresh? So the block itself, whatever that is, whether it be a building or a cul-de-sac or townhouses or whatever it is, that is another personality. That is, you know, um, certainly a huge driver of how the series turns out. I find when we do apartments where everyone's a little bit more on top of each other and they're passing each other in the the stairwells and they're having to wait for lifts and um, schedule time to get furniture in and out, there's a lot more angst in those series because you are sort of living in this pressure cooker situation. When we do streets or cul-de-sacs, individual houses, a little bit more space to stretch out, that little bit more breathing room. You can find your own time. Uh, we see with Kirsty and Jesse, they're, they're sticking to their own on the other side of the, the street this year. Yep. Running um, their own race. <laughs> yeah, and they're not really getting involved, which if they were one on top of each other, um, it'd be interesting to see how Kirsty and Jesse's personalities might change a little bit in that process. Yeah. You know, she's a little firecracker. And I think if she was in house three and Tanya and Vito were on the other side of the street, it might be a completely different series altogether. So it's interesting though, because at the moment I find this year compared to other years, I don't get a sense that you are all in the, the same street. We get that overhead shot each episode, but you know, we don't have that panning shot of the block or of the, the, yeah. the houses because there's still a lot of development going on, but hopefully that, you know, we'll see more of that as the, um, as the, the series gets towards the end, you know, and we get to those auctions. Yeah, that's right. And then you'll get these beautiful streetscapes. At the moment, there's so much going on in the street. It's yes. <laughs> very hard to get a wide <laughs> shot. So many trucks coming and going and, um, yeah, so many cranes and things that, yes, there is a lot of overhead shots at the moment. You're right. <laughs> 
Before we wrap up, Shelley, we there was an announcement recently that the block is going regional next year, which is Love really this. exciting. You're heading to the country, um, which seems like something a lot of Australians are trying to do or planning to do at the moment. So on trend. Cities. <laughs> are you excited to get out amongst the country air next season? Oh, yes, yes. Just wait for that. What challenges is that going to bring? Um, <laughs> and how on earth are we going to make this happen? But, yes, we are. Again, what is it, series number 18? Um, and we're wow. finally hitting regional areas, which, as you say, very on trend right now. Um, certainly <laughs> the way that people are, you know, hoping to live or that aspirational lifestyle of having the hobby farm. Obviously, COVID has driven us to seek that even more, our own space and our own area and a place to escape. Um, yeah, so the block, that will be very exciting. I just want to tick this one off first. I'm not going <laughs> to. Getting too fired up I about to get the I was looking for the Let's inside gossip for 2022. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we've loved talking to you uh, today. Thank you so much for joining us and wishing you a very exciting auction day when it comes up and hope everyone does so well. Oh, thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, I hope they do well too. And um, as Scotty always says at the end of the auctions, hand me the keys next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hyped up about these auctions now. Yeah, it's getting really interesting and, um, you know, we've seen everybody adapt to new ways of doing things, inspecting and then buying and selling properties in different ways during the pandemic. And it doesn't seem to have really shifted the market either in a negative way. It seems to have gone the other direction. I think it's really only pushed prices higher, especially in New South Wales and Victoria. So... In theory, the contestants should get a good result and make a really good profit, I guess, depending on how the producers set the, the reserve prices. Yeah, that's the big thing, isn't it? They have to get uh, over those reserves and then any money they make above that goes in their pocket, which is uh, going to be exciting to watch. And then the pers- the couple who make the most profit get an additional $100,000. $100, yeah, not bad. Well, thanks to Shelley for that chat and for the insight into the, the show. Now, if you haven't seen the show before, just search for The Block Open House inspections and you'll get to see just how much hype and interest that these properties have generated in previous years before the pandemic and then have a think about how differently they're probably going to have to do it this year whilst some of those restrictions remain in place in Victoria. It's going to be interesting to watch, Lauren. It sure is. So you can watch the next Room Reveals tomorrow night at 7 o'clock on Channel 9 or catch up on 9 now. It never gets old, does it? It doesn't, no. Remember, you can follow Lauren on the socials. Just search at Lauren Keenan Home and you can check out her work. LaurenKeenan.com.au is the website. You can get in touch with us there if you need any advice on your next interior styling or renovation project or if you just want to let us know what you think about the podcast yeah we love podcast feedback don't we absolutely so that's it for the show today thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of at home with lauren keenan your authority on home lifestyle and interior design 